0: we have filters every day in our lives we we do we, we use them and we may not even know that we use them but we use them and filters are like in our HVAC systems they're in our vehicles and like an oil filter and what it does is it prevents particles from getting into the engine which can really destroy the engine same thing when it comes to life when it comes to following Jesus we need to apply God's word we need to apply the Bible and when we apply the Bible it prevents things from happening It prevents us from going down a path. It prevents us from making a decision that is going to cost us something. Uh, Maybe regret, shame, guilt. But when we apply God's word, we're able to live with peace. So today we're going to be looking at the filter of credibility. How would you define credibility? How would you define credibility? According to the dictionary, credibility is defined as worthy of trust or to be believed. A credible person is someone who can be trusted or believed. I mean, I want to be a credible person. I believe that you want to be a credible person. But here's what we know. In our culture, credibility is like finding a unicorn. Think about the last 20 months. Think about the last 20 months. Think of all the decisions that have been made and have been punted or have been uh, promises that have been broken, commitments that have been overturned. Think of the World Health Organization. Think of Dr. Fauci, President Trump, President Biden, elected officials. Man, they've said, they backtracked, they uh, overturned a commitment, they broke a promise throughout the pandemic. Then then let's think about news agencies I mean, we have people who they only watch CNN or MSNBC, and then you have others on the other side, and they only watch Fox. And then you have those in the middle that they are looking at more smaller independent outlets. I mean, how can each network look at the same situation and have a different take on it? And then you have those who have used social media. They have used Facebook, Instagram, and they have canceled people. They have mocked people. Then you have others who, they only get their information from Google. Like they're typing in um, something and (laughs) that's where they're pulling all their information from. They're making their judgments based on information from the internet. and cannot tell you, not everything on the internet is true. Then Hollywood. Hollywood, the actors and actresses, man, they, some of them have lost credibility. How about? But about nurses and doctors who have a different philosophy on how to treat COVID-19? How about first responders and police officers who have been tasked to mandate mask policies and vaccine policies? How about school boards and elected officials and, and quite honestly, business owners who have been forced to put a mandate in place? School boards and unions they have had different philosophies on how to get the kids back into the classroom, and some have made decisions without any notice to parents. People have lost credibility over the last twenty months, but if we if we go back in time, how many people have lost credibility with you how many how many people have lost credibility with you? Maybe something happened with a family member or friend and, Man, they you thought they had your back. You thought they were a person of their word. But man, because of selfish ambition, they were willing to make a decision that caused you to suffer. They hurt you. They, they betrayed you. And you feel used. How many of us have been hurt by a church leader? They walked away from faith. They walked away from family. They had a, maybe a moral failure. Uh, personally speaking, there have been six pastors that I know... Six pastors that I've known, that I've worked with before. Listen, four out of the six are no longer in ministry because of a moral failure. Two have been reinstated after a lengthy restoration period. And man, it's tough. All six of them made a decision. They pursued selfish ambition. They, were, they, they got so used to the spotlight. I mean, we can ask why, we can ask how, and I think we all do. I think we all know. Like, why are we are we tempted? Because we've lost credibility maybe at times. Why are we tempted to destroy something that we worked so hard to build up? Why have others given it into that same temptation and they've left us with hurt and pain and, and just really suspicion? And then... How do we move forward? How do we move forward when someone betrays us and leaves us really being suspicious with everybody and in every relationship? what do we do how do we how do we move forward when someone influences us and hurts us when someone who we love walked away from us? How do we move forward and then even like as we think of a church, how do we as a church build credibility within our community so here's a couple things about credibility credibility is about trust credibility is about trust and credibility takes years to build and minutes to destroy it takes time to build earn and receive credibility guys i believe that our trust account is more valuable than our bank account I believe it. I believe that our our trust account is more valuable than our bank account. I really believe that. Do people see me as a man of my word? Am I going to do what I promise to do? Can people depend on me? Can people trust me? Well, the church has always dealt with people, with leaders who've lost credibility. And so Jude faced it with some leaders and they were taking scripture out of context. They were manipulating people and they were bullying people with their intellect. Guys, we face it too. We do. We, we face it with people who try to manipulate. They, at times, if they're not getting what they want. They sell out when things get too too tough. They sell out. And then others, man, they desire the spotlight. They need the spotlight. And none of those things have helped build and sustain credibility with the church this is what he writes he says when these people these selfish prideful leaders eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the lord's love so what they would do is they would have the lord's supper like we do but they would have a meal with it they called it a love feast when it was all about jesus these guys made it about themselves he says i need you to know that these are what these people are like. So I need you to be on the lookout. They are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who, can, who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up foam of their dead. Dead, uh, shameful deeds, and they are like wandering stars, stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. Jude doesn't hold back, does he? Jude is not holding him back, and he provides us a lot to think about. And so let's look at each illustration that he provides dangerous reefs. Another phrase could be hidden rocks. And, and maybe some of the people were sailors, some of the people were fishermen, and, and he understood. The audience he was talking to and he's like look look some of you guys know what it's like you're out on the boat the water seems calm the water seems clear but there are some things that are hidden that can shipwreck you there are some things that could take your boat down and so what he's helping us understand is we got to be on guard at all times yeah we could trust people but we have to verify what they're saying uh, something that we do as a church is we do background checks on all our volunteers we want to make sure that they are set up for success, and our environments are set up for success. Now, when it comes to hiring staff, we want to make sure that people, um, especially as we hire within, we want people to know. We want you to. We want to see you serve before you lead. We want you to be able to follow before you lead. Okay, so he's like, all right, be on the watch out for these guys. They're like dangerous reefs or hidden rocks. Then he also says they are like shameless shepherds. Being a shepherd was an honorable position. What was happening is these men, they were using, or these, these church leaders, they were using that honorable position to manipulate people, to exploit people. How about empty clouds that promised rain, but they failed to produce? And he's like, look, these guys, these leaders you gotta be, be, you gotta be you'll be you will be on guard for them because they're gonna over promise and they're gonna under deliver he says they're also like dead trees in the fall <laughs> he's like they're doubly dead he's like they don't even produce fruit the reason why they are not producing any fruit because they have no root he, he's helping us understand he's like look A tree that is not producing fruit is dead. He's like, look, if these people are not producing fruit of what it would look like to be a follower of Jesus, that means that their root is not in Christ. He's like, man, they might preach the right thing. It may sound like the right thing, but if they have no fruit, that means they got no root. If they don't have any sustainable fruit, that means they have no root. And then he says, they're like raging waves. I don't know if you've ever been uh, at the beach during a storm, but those waves, man, they make a lot of noise, and they wreck havoc. And he wants them to know. He said, look, these, these people are like waves. They make a lot of noise. They wreck havoc. And then, just like a wave that goes back out to sea, what is left is damage. And who is left to pick up that damage? Not that person who caused it. The person left behind. And then, he's like, they're like wandering stars. Man, they appear and then they disappear. Never to be seen again. Man, when some people lose their credibility with you, they are not looking at getting it back. They just, they've used you and they are moving on. Guys, this... I. One of the things, I'll be honest, that just has driven me crazy. And that we're not the only church to experience this. There are many, many other churches that have experienced this. But there have been attenders, even leaders, who have ghosted us. have ghosted me. I've reached out. And over the last 17 months, we could meet in the school, indoors, and offer child care. People go. People just, people left. And it's not that they're going anywhere. And that's the thing that breaks my heart. It's just like they, 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 they ghosted. And all of a sudden, Jude then references, it's almost like he emphasize, em, 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 not emphasizes, empathizes with his audience. He's like, look, I know you guys are feeling hurt. You guys are feeling the pain of being betrayed. I know that. So he references the book of Enoch. And, he, and again, it's just like the Assumption of Moses. It's a very rare manuscript. There's not a lot of copies of it. Uh, Some portions are missing, but the church really respected it. So Jude is saying, look, Jesus is coming back. But he's not back yet. And right now, we live in the now and the not yet. We live in the now and not yet. Jesus' kingdom is, yes, it's here. But our king isn't here yet. And that's the in-between that we're living in. He's like, man, Jesus came. He set up the church. It's growing Around the world, the church is growing. but We're still going to deal with pain. We're still going to deal with betrayal. We're still going to deal with people losing their credibility, uh, using us, exploiting us. That's still going to happen because the perfect king isn't here yet. He's like, I want you to know that God has given you his spirit to navigate those challenges. That is life in the in-between, in the now and the not yet. And then he sort of finishes thought about the false teachers. He's like, these people, they're grumblers and they're complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. Sounds like a lot like elementary age, middle school, high school kids, right? They, they brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. I don't know how many grumblers and complainers you know, but there's a movie called Up, and there's a little boy named Russell, and Russell is a grumbler and a complainer. Check this out. Darn thing! Come on, Russell, would you hurry it up? I'm tired, and my knee hurts. Which knee? My elbow hurts, and I have to go to the bathroom. I asked you about that five minutes ago. Well, I didn't have to go then. I don't want to walk anymore. Can we stop? Russell, if you don't hurry up, the tigers will eat you. There's no tires in South America. Zoology. Ah, for the love of people. Go on into the bushes and do your business. Okay, here, hold my stuff. I've always wanted to try this. Did you notice, and I don't know if you noticed this, but if you've been around grumblers and complainers, the, the, the negativity that they bring to the table, they bring to a room, actually brings the room down. And it's like others are influenced by their dissatisfaction and their discontentment. Those who grumble and complain, they see fault with others, but they never see fault uh, in themselves. And and the other thing that I've noticed with grumblers and complainers is that they usually complain about something they are the most guilty of. So Jew continues. He's like, look, my dear friends, you must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. Peter addressed it. Paul addressed it. John addressed it. He says, they told you that in the last times, there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. That their ideology would be me-centered. It would be very me-centric. He says, these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. The reason why is because they're not willing to submit to God's authority. He says they followed their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. He's like, look, guys, I need you to know this. If they have no sustaining fruit, they're not Christians. They're not followers of Jesus. He's like, if they are not producing sustaining fruit, it means that they have no root. So why do people lose credibility? Many reasons. and We've talked about some of them. So how do we move ahead? How do we move ahead? How do we move forward when someone that we admire, someone that we, that we love, someone that has influenced us? How do we move forward? And then how do we as a church build, continue to build credibility with our community? So let's look at it personally. First step is to forgive. I know, I know that sounds hard and almost at times impossible, but it's not for them. It's actually for for you and it's for me. See, holding on to resentment and bitterness, I believe, will hurt you more than how you feel when you were betrayed. Second thing we need to do is trust again, but inspect. Like it may take time and that's okay that it takes time to trust again. Trust isn't following someone blindly, especially if you're going back into another relationship, a dating relationship, or maybe into another marriage. And the first one you were burned or, or in a relationship, maybe an engagement got called off because you caught them in a lie. They betrayed you. And yes, it's going to be hard to, to trust again, maybe love again. But it's important that we inspect. It's important to inspect what people promise, what they sell, what they peddle, what they say, what they commit to. Listen, if they're not willing to be called out, it's not worth the relationship to pursue. It's not. If you see them beginning to lose credibility, them not backing up what they're saying or what they're saying doesn't sound right, and they're not willing to let you call call them out on it, it's not worth the relationship. It's not. It's not worth the pursuit. Three. Not only do we want to forgive, trust again, but respect, but also work on your credibility. Work on our credibility. Actions speak louder than words, and there are audiences everywhere. Um, one of the things that I, I've, I've witnessed, and the one that I'm building the most credibility up with, is with my daughter. And there have been times where we went to Lowe's and or maybe we went to Walmart and we picked up something and we noticed when we got home that they didn't charge us for it. We're talking a few dollars, right? We we we're, we're not talking about much money. And so we get back in the car, and we go to Walmart and we go to the customer service and like, "Look, we didn't pay for this." I want to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to continue to build credibility with my daughter. Because I know that it will take a very long time, if ever, if I end up losing that credibility, to build it back. I want to make sure that I'm giving her example to follow. Guys, work on your credibility. That as a church... We know that the church as a whole has lost credibility, but we want to make sure that in our communities that we, we are showing that we are worth, we have a message worth receiving. We have a culture worth being part of. And so our culture here is that we are, we are staying committed to truth. Our commitment is to truth. man. Any ideology that we have has to be rooted in theology. The second thing, that we believe that will build credibility, is that we are committed to our culture. We are committed to the mission that God has given us, our vision and our values that are rooted in the Scriptures. So our culture is unique, and we want to make sure that from the top down, one of the things that we do is that we believe trust over suspicion. And then the third thing, We believe that we'll continue to build credibility is to be upfront and honest. We believe that vulnerability and honesty build trust. Maybe maybe you've lost credibility. I want you to know that you don't have to ghost someone. You can stay committed to doing everything you can to build that trust back with that person. Will it happen? I have no idea. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you're afraid to get back into another friendship, another relationship. I believe that God will help you do that. You have to trust Him. But be willing to forgive. And Again, it's not for them. It's for you. And then for those who have walked away from church. Yes, I believe that our eyes need to be focused on our Savior, our King, Jesus, I believe that it's really important that we are part of a local church. Actually, God commands us to be part of a local church. It's important that we are part of a local church. So it's important that we trust, we also verify. Guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a topic that for some of us is very personal, very painful, and I just ask that you would heal those who have deep wounds. Father, I ask for those who um, they have not trusted you, they have not made a decision to follow you, Jesus, because of something that a church did, or maybe a church leader did, and I'm asking that you will break through that, and they would receive Jesus. They would receive what Jesus has done for them, and their eyes and their focus would be on him. I ask for those who are shy about jumping back into a church, and I just ask that you would ease their mind, ease their heart, I ask that you will free them from anxiety um, and they would be able to trust and verify. Most importantly, we want to thank you for being very credible. Thank you for being someone that we can always count on, that we can always trust. In Jesus' name.